Blog Talk Radio. Chantel Cameron and Katie Taylor during the afternoon part two. 
Um, yeah, so we're going to preview and predict a lot of those, but we're going to focus, you know, a lot of our focus obviously will be on Benavides Andre. Uh, I definitely like this fight. I love what um, Benavides is doing this year. He's not just waiting around for the Canelo fight. If he beats Plant, then beat Andre, he puts himself in great position. Now that we know the fight's, on that Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder. We actually don't know who's going to go first, or I should say last. (laughs) Um, And that kind of surprised me, actually. I I thought they had figured that out, but we'll talk about that now that we know, you know, what we actually dealing with when it comes to that card. Um, I think people are overreacting to it. I got to admit when you get Wilder and AJ on the same card, that's going to, you know, like make you go, oh, wow, really? You know? Now, early uh, in the week, or midweek, I suppose, because that was Wednesday when they had the press conference, I didn't like what was coming out of Eddie Hearn's mouth. And I said that we bet last week, I said we better have some sort of plan laid out. And the early interview, he was listing options. Right, And then after that, I will give him – well, I don't know about credit, but I will be fair to him. He did say that it, there's no you know, there's no deal worked out yet, but they are in negotiations to figure it out and finalize it. So at least there's that. Um, but like I said, when you get Bivol and you get you know Frank Sanchez and the heavyweight card, when you get this many fights where you know the A-side – and some of the B-sides are interesting. Some of the B-sides are barely B-sides. Um, I understand why people were a little excited about it, basically because of A.J. Wilder, but they did tell us A.J. and Wilder was going to happen. So that's the – they're in good fights. I'm not saying they're not in good fights, but when you look at that – well, we'll talk about it because when you look at the plus numbers on the B-side, I don't think it's the best card – top to bottom we've had in years, like I saw media members say. It's like, are you sure? you just talking about name value? Like, well, we do know Dimitri Bivol. He did beat Canelo. You know, the guy he's fighting, he's okay. He's not bad. I'm not, you know, will it be a good style matchup? Uh, one of the tweets in my <laughs> my Twitter boxing segment, my boxing Twitter segment, will be who's coming on here soon. John, he made a really funny tweet about that. But I see a lot of plus numbers. And, of course, when you're in a B-side, you're going to be some, some sort of plus number. But I'm not talking – so is, there's not one fight that's plus 200 and down, correct? Not that I, I've seen. So although I have some interest in some fights, and I've already gotten you know, a couple people saying, hey, man, we're going to you know, watch that at some point um, because Wilder and Joshua and they're building it. And, but, uh, you know – I think people are going a little overboard on that, I'll be honest with you. Um, We will talk about some other items when it comes to um, the WBC uh, as far as, uh, you know, they had a, you know, their their ranking, they did a bunch of ranking stuff and and called for a bunch of fights or or there's been purse bids or, you know, whatever. There's a variety of information. And and we actually got some interesting fights, I think, that have come out of it. one of uh, Jermel Charlo's belts, I think it's the IBF, correct? That thing's gone now, which who really cares? But um, there are some, you know, just fight news and current 
news that we will uh, get into in, in, in just a short little bit. If this is your first time listening to the RoboDope Radio podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash RoboDope Radio. You don't have to go to Blog Talk and RoboDope and download the show directly there if you don't want to. You can find this here boxing podcast called RoboDope Radio on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio. You can download the podcast app, uh, Player FM, Google Podcasts, PodBay, PodTail. Just Google it, RoboDope Radio Podcast. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegruelingtruth.com, Eastside Boxing and Phil Boxing. And one more thing, college basketball is back. It's a big Thanksgiving thing going on right now. So, Ket, this is DirecTV Stream. Catch the action with our best deal of 2023 and say $64.99. It's big value for big fans. Get the entertainment package and DirecTV Sports Pack. For only $84.99 a month plus taxes and fees for the first three months, you can lock that up with a 24-month agreement. Choose the DirecTV Stream Package. That's right for you, starting at $69.99. Okay, so we're obviously going to start in the ring, um, you know, with Shakur Stevenson. And, you know... People get hurt all the time in boxing, right? So it's not that I – you know, we we kind of heard a, all sorts of stuff like, well, he didn't feel that good, and then it turned to, turned into, well, he actually is hurt. Um, and then it's a one-hand bandit. He, he deleted that, but he said, I'm the one-hand bandit. Um, you know, you had Bob Arum saying that, you know, we, we had him in the hospital going up. I mean – I don't know, man. They, they, there was just a lot of excuse. There was a lot of talk before, but there was a lot of excuses coming out. I mean, this is boxing scene quote from Bob Arum. Uh, he suffered a shoulder injury, so then it was shoulder. Was it hand? Uh, we had we had him visiting doctors in the weeks before the fight. I think therefore, oh that that's why he fought a, a cautious fight, but it was a stinker. Well, you know, you should tell people that then, <laughs> you know. Um, there has to be maybe some sort of disclosure thing going on here because uh, my whole point is, okay, so, you know, you had a stinker. Excuse me, you had a stinker. And by the way, this isn't just a stinker. This is like one of the worst fights on a championship level with the, with the caliber of fighter like Stevenson is. I mean – this was bad. This was really bad. Um, it's funny because right before they – so it's late. You know, it's East Coast late as hell. It's even, I guess you could say, pretty late in Central Time Zone on a Thursday night anyway. And they're still doing these goddamn segments, the propaganda segments, right? And you got uh, Stevenson talking about after Haney beat Lomachenko, he ran out of the ring and just weird shit like that, right? It was 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock ring walk. I don't know why they got to do – like, I get it. Everybody has a little propaganda thing. But when it, in that scenario, you got to get rid of the that time frame. But anyway, that was – I mean, the Boo Birds were out in the second round. And those Boo Birds – 
turned into like vultures. They're like turkey vultures. You know, I mean, they, they were more than just boobers. I mean, this was uh, this was barely even a jab fest because they're barely even establishing that. And I do, there is some, De Los Santos didn't do a whole lot either, so we're not going to let him off. But if you're going to, I, I just would have liked them to actually establish a jab to the point where it's landing and you can follow up with something, you know? I mean, it was it was the ugly, ugly, I mean, from round six to eight, six, seven, eight, that's three rounds. The punch landed was 11 to six and over three rounds, 11 to six, no double digit uh, lands. I mean, this shit. And then they're talking about the plus minus. Can we get a plus minus on the on 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 Stevenson now? What's his plus minus now? I mean that <laughs> that was bad. That was a bad bad performance. And like I said, to follow it up, you know, saying you're not going to make an excuse, and then you just make excuses. That's literally what you did the rest of the week. I mean, literally. I mean, it was, and when you go and you attack the greats and try to, comp- well, I shouldn't say attack, but you're trying to compare, hey, he had a bad night against Baldemir. Just for the record, Shakur, Mayweather landed with a bum ham. We all know he had brittle-ass hands. We all know that. Mayweather landed 134 more punches than Stevenson in that fight. And by the way, through 249 more. Now, is that his best performance? Hell no. You know? No, yeah, you're right. It was a stinker. Styles make fights, yada, yada, yada. But it just, I don't know, man. You know, this is one of his tweets. It wasn't 100% tonight, no excuses, but anybody with two eyes know the real, know the real, but look, one day, uh, one day they love you, one day, you know, they they hate you, blah, blah, blah. It's just, if you had a bad night, just deal with it, dude. Just deal with it. You know, it is what it is, but don't start lining up. I mean, when you look at it, total punches, 209 over 12 rounds, 65 landed, 65 and 40. And like I said, I'm not Santos. DeSantos, you know, I mean, DeSantos, I just called him. That's what I felt like after the, after De Los Santos, sorry. I, I didn't mean to go that hard on you there, Edwin. But uh, <laughs> um, he threw 316, which is really low for a 12-round fight. But, I mean, when you got a guy that's like, like literally one punch done, doesn't want to doesn't wanna do shit, really, and, and, and power punches, 19 landed, 54 thrown. So he landed 65, 46 jabs out of 65. I mean, thrown or landed, I should say. I mean, it's fucking ridiculous. De Los Santos also made history in the copy box 38 years. A fighter never has landed uh, fewer punches than De Los Santos, 40, over 12 rounds. He connected on 14 power shots. And 19 of them, you know, for Stevenson. I mean, this this was this was fucking just horrendous. Really, really bad fight. And when you look at it, 
you know, we all fucking gave Easter and Bartholomew 54 and 52. They're right there with you. They're right there with you. I mean, this shit was so damn bad. And like I said, when you start bringing up other fighters, oh, well, Mayweather had a bad night. Don't do that. Don't do that. I mean, come on, dude. Nothing is like this. I mean, this is, okay, well, we got Gervonta had a broken hand against Isak, didn't he? He still managed to throw 462 and land a buck 33. Uh, in one of his, you know, clearly hurt shoulder, if you want to go shoulder, uh, you know, hand, shoulder, let's go shoulder with Mayweather Castillo number one, right? I mean, shit, he still threw or landed 157 punches for 448, he threw. So this whole thing, he had bad nights, but his bad nights never looked that bad and, and, and you know, it just, I got to admit, man, like, the, the the extra excuses, just, just, just shut up, dude. Just stop, man. Just, just be quiet. Take it on the chin. It is what it is. Uh, you know, you didn't get knocked out or knocked down all weirdly or something like that. To me, it's the after stuff. I'm not going to make excuses, but here's seven of them. I mean, the shit was just ridiculous just horrible horrible performance and you made it worse bring it up Mayweather in a fight he, he landed 134 more damn punches and we're not you know I'm not trying to highlight the, the Baldemir and Castillo one as great performances but even on his shittiest nights right look what he still he was still throwing punches somewhat Every once in a while, you got to use that hand. We see it all the damn time. Or just triple jab. Just do something more than that because you were keeping the, the round super close. I'm talking super close. So, yeah, to say the least, that was just despicable, okay? Horrible fight, especially on a Thursday night. You know, I wish they would have played that during the NFL game. Luckily, it didn't get a good rating. I guess it's the only good thing about it. Um, We'll talk about the undercard. Of course, we're going to preview the weekend. Headlined by David Benavides and Demetrius Andre. We'll talk about some of that uh, UK action as well. There's a variety of stuff we're going to talk about. We're going to go ahead and bring in John into the fold. What's going on, John? How you doing? Chris, how's it it going? Uh, Heard you talking about the... uh... The bad part of the, understandably so. Uh, it's not being negative. There's a lot of, a lot of bad going on in boxing, and maybe boxing can always uh, be knocked. And bo- hardcore boxing fans, commentators joke, well, you know, boxing people are always talking about the negative, and it's part of it and things. But you know, I, I meant to kind of bring it up last week. There's become a legit term in, you know, psychology where they talk about toxic positivity, uh, it's become a real thing. And and the point is, uh, not that boxing is overridden with it, but the idea is that with all this pushing of positive thinking, not that there's not a place for it and things, that it actually becomes toxic when you have real problems that are not being addressed, you know, that every time a problem comes up, 
the answer is, oh, think positive and you're being negative. And to me, the state of boxing right now is a classic for anybody that tries to make excuses for a lot of the things going on. You know, the, the Stevenson performance on Thursday, I mean, even though I, I like Shakur, I think he's been doing better and better jobs with the media. He's had some good performances. Um, but, you know, th- this took him back. This took you back to, look, he's, he did this before with Nakatila. So I think that that's a lot of the, the problem here and where you're kind of getting around about the excuses and things. He did it with Nakatila, and he admitted, hey, I should have gotten this guy out of there. That was an embarrassing performance. And, you know, that was on ESPN as well. And he initially did the same thing here, and then he started pointing to things like the Mayweather and Baldemir and, yeah, sure, throughout boxing history, great. And, and there, there were the apologists, like I'm talking about with the toxic positivity. I saw some of them immediately popping up. And it wasn't that they were only Stevenson fans, just some of these apologists for some of the negatives going on in boxing. Like, oh, there's just like you're complaining about, Chris. You know, there, there's been bad nights, and, you know, Mayweather had some bad nights and things. Well, one thing to point out now about, like you talked about the Mayweather, you know, Baldemir and Stevenson had brought that up. I mean, even though it was on a huge upset, you know, you know, my recollection is that, you know, Baldemir had become lineal welterweight champion of the world. The reason I'm pointing that out is, you know, I've been talking about this a lot, but it, but it, it comes up in situations like this. Like, like part of the problem when the fight's really bad is, is the fight would be really bad if there was something significant on the line. But, but this is where boxing's really been damaged and why there's not excuses for a lot of these performances. Like, forget the WBC alphabet garbage nonsense. I mean, and like you said, about all the hype, that it literally ruins the telecast, wastes our time, makes us stay up later. It's just promotion by the promoters using these alphabets to promote. I mean, yeah, Stephen Espinosa said it a few years ago. He was honest just about, you know, all, all these alphabets are for the promoters and, and TV is just a marketing tool. You know, it, it's just nonsense that's used as a marketing tool. And that was all over Thursday night's broadcast with Stevenson being triple champion. And, and all this, it's, you know, it's all alphabet stuff. I mean, he hasn't, he hasn't really ascended, you know, to the, to the top of a traditional division or, you know, beating a lineal guy. And why I'm bringing that all up with the garbage performance Thursday night is I think where, where a lot of this gets worse is like, for example, let, let's make, let, let me say it was something like this. Like this almost would be a good example. Like let, let's say Stevenson was fighting Haney, you know, for the lineal title and, you know, I, I don't like like you just said with the Charles situation, you know, you, you, it doesn't matter when these alphabet belts aren't involved and some fans overrate them. But let's say for the sake of those fans, all those belts were on the line as well, because, you know, Haney had just had all those. And then, then you know, Stevenson stunk it out, but he got a decision. Well, you know, you know, then you're saying you're not really happy and it might have been a big fight, but you're you're kind of saying like, well, he, you know, he, he needed to take the title, you know, he needed to take the title at least, or, or at least he, you know, he took the title here and maybe he'll look better next. And, and that's going way back in boxing history. In other words, 
you know, when you truly had one meaningful title a division and you had eight weight classes, I mean, then you could say, well, yeah, okay, win today, you know, and then, then go on to the next one and maybe it was a little boring. But that's where I get back to what you're talking about with Stevenson fighting a guy like De Los Santos who wasn't even cracking a legit top ten. He was on the edge, but, you know, he wasn't even a really a legit top ten lightweight you know, throw out all the, the WBC nonsense. I mean, they're a joke and everything. In other words, the, the alleged significance of that, you're fighting De Los Santos. He's not even a legit top 10 lightweight. He's, he's not even quite in there, and you're stinking it out like that, just like he did with Macafila. So, like, that's a lot of the problem. Like, the, these fights, they're blowing up the significance of them, but they're not significant to begin with. It's all promo, like you said, and, and time-wasting hype. And then when the guy... You know, the guys, stay, I mean, De La Santos stunk it out, too, like you said. So then when they stink it out, and, you know, we kind of, we weren't expecting this, but we prefaced it a little in the sense that, you know, De La Santos in a fight that on paper should have been an explosive brawl with Adarno, yeah, he got a clear win, but he decided he was a boxer. And this was like another one of those things kind of warned about that where it could be bad, like, you know, De Los Santos, as we saw, you know, he's not going to outbox Shakur Stevenson, and all Stevenson was doing was defending. So, you know, that that just led, you know, and, and really just abusing boxing fans at this point, because as we've been saying, we're, unfortunately, we're really getting long past the era where there's any casual fans turning in. It's all milking boxing fans. So you've got East Coast, and, and like you said, to some degree Central, time zone fans in the U.S. staying up late and then getting this. And it, it's just like boxing fans getting abused. I mean, you didn't have to pay pay-per-view for this. That would have been additional abuse, and we get plenty of that. Um, so it was regular ESPN, ESPN+, Plus, but it was garbage. And I, I didn't see the rating, Chris. What, what rating did you end up seeing on that? Because for Stevenson, since he had been going up, relatively speaking, if he took a bad rating, it's kind of it's kind of an extra salt in the wound there uh, for a, for a bad night. I, I didn't actually catch the any report. I got numbers. it here on hand. Let me just check it real Cause quick. Because I'm curious because he actually was one of the only guys, and, it, and it's nothing compared to even recent bygone days, but compared to everybody else nowadays, right. his ratings were trending up. You know, like when I said what I always say, relatively speaking, I mean, in the climate we're in in boxing today. Right. You know, if you're at the top of everybody else, well, that's something, and that's that's kind of where he was. So um, I, that's why I was curious because he he was compared to everybody else, he he was trending up. Yeah, so it averaged six fifty five. It had yeah. a, a NCAA football lead in that did a little over a million. Yeah, that's that's about from from what numbers he's been showing. That's like a three hundred four hundred thousand drop. So you're absolutely right. Um, yeah, that's, you know, that's, so he sunk, sunk it out. He drew less and, and, you know, yet, even though Stevenson's, you know, Olympic silver medalist, a bigger name who, who seemed to be trending up, you do have to take note of it because even though it's an exact opposite style of fighter, that's what happened to Berlanga, you know, Berlanga with the one round KO streak, his numbers were high. I mean, right. he, he was really getting up there. And then all of a sudden, 
as the performances dropped, I mean, his, his numbers just cratered to the point where he got dropped. And, and you never would have thought it. You know, you never would have thought it a couple of years before that with the numbers he was showing. Now, I'm not – although Stevenson's – they were saying this is the last fight of his deal. or So you don't want – Yeah, to or at least that getting there, that's for sure. Yeah, because, you know, let's face it. I mean, and, and it's not that others are in better, really, position, but PBC's in a limbo position now. So, you know, they, they were able to pick up Canelo right before entering limbo. But, you know, now that they're – at least at the moment in limbo, you, you don't know, you know, exactly what they can do. Um, maybe, maybe who knows, you know, that could end next week or something with the way the news breaks, but uh, we've heard these rumors, but, you know, I, I think I, I did see the next, the Netflix head comment on boxing and this is really sensible but this is what boxing was getting away with that they weren't having to deal with, especially with the DAZN deal being the, the worst example. You know, the Netflix guy said, you show me where we come right in and make money, you know, not, not what I'm going to do for you. You know what I mean? Like, you show me where we can come in and make money, we're, we're in. But it's going to have to be you show me where we're going to come in and make money. And right. Yeah, he said that about sports in general. I remember that because yeah. he said, you know, you got to figure they're just now in the last couple of years making money, right? Because for right. so many years they weren't. So it's like, hell yeah, <laughs> they want to keep that coming. They don't want to just go, you know, throw, but they don't have the Amazon money per se, right? Yeah. I and mean, as common sense as it sounds, and, and when you're running business, it can be tougher yeah. than you think. Like that's, that's kind of the basic principles that are taught that, that a lot of times get straight away from, but like, you know, if you're putting money in or at a loss, you, you know, your basic principles are supposed to be like, you know, two, three years, you, you can't take the loss anymore. Like, because, you know, we saw there right. his own numbers, just always just taking losses. And there's plenty of other businesses out there. I mean, you know, if, even with the stock price and, and all the hype, you know, Tesla is, is, is been cited for that a lot of times. I mean, yeah. They, do they really make any? Do they really make any money? You know, you know, it's hard to believe with the stock price and all the hype with Elon Musk. But yeah, like you got to, you know, your your basic business principles got to be like there's a there's a two three year where we're going to take a loss, and then you got to make money, or it's not, or it's not a a good venture. Um, so yeah, the guy saying. Because you know that's that's where the zone got caught up in it, and and you know you see it in other sports too, and other, you know, even even other areas where yeah we're going to go in, we're going to take this loss because we see this vision, and sometimes that pays off, but that's not supposed to be like a like a long term thing where you're taking you know five ten years of just losses, you know. So yeah, um, you know, look, look the Fox deal with PBC didn't last long. I mean, uh, you know. I totally support what PBC tried to do. I'll stick with that to the end. I think it was a good thing. People try to make it negative now. And of all people, I'll always go back to that because he said it, and I think he was right. Dana White said right at the time when Al Heyman went out to do it, somebody needed to do this in boxing. Somebody had to try to do something. You know, I give Heyman credit for taking a shot at it. I mean, of all people, that was Dana White of UFC saying that. So, it, it was a good thing. It was just a tough. It's just a tough undertaking, and I think what they did got top ranked that deal. 
uh, you know, when there was some momentum and then the zone went in and, you know, the zone's obviously in a struggle and then like it, it does tie in again to Thursday night. I mean, top ranks, you can't keep putting and you know, they were showing guys like Ali Walsh and stuff. I mean, that, that, that's where then you get to the old, you know, do better. You just gotta, you just gotta do better. Now, you know, you did have a, a good fight between, you know, Navarrete and Conceza. I'll, you know, he, he, he had more left at 35 than I thought. Good fight. So, you know, people got to see that, but just running too late in the East and, um, you know, the central time zone, just, just way too late, especially on a Thursday night. And it, it's just, it's just not going anywhere like that. It, it's just not because I do know enough where it, it's, it's at a certain point where, you know, ESPN is going to say, you know, okay, it's it's real late. We wouldn't have anything else drawn numbers that late in the East and Central, which is probably part of the justification. Right. But the part where, but the part where the drop it is, then they say we don't need to spend money on live programming though to get numbers that late. You know, we we'll run a thirty for we'll run a thirty for thirty rerun or a college basketball game. I mean, that that's what's going to happen. Yeah, and they got to tighten their budget like everybody else for the most part. Yeah, that that's what's going to happen here with this top rank deal. So, I mean, the writing's on the wall to me with that. They're just going to say, yeah, we you know we don't need to spend that money or run the image risks on boxing. Um, you know, we've already got UFC, but you know, they, with that they can say it's more organized, um, that they you know a little more control there. So. Again, I don't think it's I don't think it's that they're expanding the pie, but you know UFC. Like I said, I think the best way to kind of look at it is if there's just a certain number of people willing to watch combat sports, which I have a feeling that's that's what that is. That's been my theory, as I've said a few times. I'm still staying with that. Like UFC is just going to be taking up more and more of those fans, you know. So if you want to call them former boxing fans or whatever, I do think that that's going to keep happening with boxing not getting it together. Um, probably a good time to chime in on, because I think it does tie in too, Chris. I think you were right on it with that December 23rd card. I think you said it right off the bat when announced. I think you're absolutely right. You know, you really look deep in it. And again, forget the toxic positivity. Let's be realistic about that card. You look at the odds on the fights when they got set. And the odds makers have no bone to pick. You know, they have they have no dog in the, in the fight. Yeah, they got they their own business to run, right? They, they got, got their, their own, own budget. <laughs> exactly. They got their own business, their own money they got to make. They got to get it right. So when I looked at the odds, I'm like, the odds makers don't think this is that great of a card either. Um, it's basically, if you look at the odds that got set shortly after it was announced, which I did then check them, and it, and it did surprise me how wide a lot of them were. They were even wider than I expected. The odds makers you know, they're, they're unbiased. They got to worry about their business model. Basically you read through their odds. I think the way you would term this card on the 23rd is it's a bunch of mediocre cards. It's not like a super yeah, fight one card. Big showcase. Yeah, it's one, right. It's, it's a showcase in one long day. Uh, it's, it's just all these guys getting showcased in one long day. Now, again, this is the odds makers with no bone to pick. I think some of the Joshua fans, didn't want to hear this. Uh, I did tweet it out just because, again, that's unbiased. I mean, that's not me saying it. That's the Ozmakers then saying it. Out of all the fights on the card, 
they have Valine with the best chance of pulling the upset. They got Joshua at like a minus, you know, minus 360 or something like that. So, you know, that was kind of like, that was just about tied with Dubois and Miller. Yeah, plus 270 is the closest one that I saw in Unibet for for Wallin. Yeah, and, and, you know, the funny thing is when I go on my gut, I would just about go with that, except even though I've, always been a big booster of Deontay Wilder for the reasons you and I said last week, the wear and tear he's taken, the layoff, the age, I was surprised that he's minus 700 over Parker. Uh, that did surprise me. But, again, that's that's where the odds makers are coming in on it. Uh, so that's what's kind of funny is that I, I know a lot of, like, Joshua fans, they're, they're kind of having problems gripping that because before odds got set and when this car was getting kicked around, their their narrative was going to be, oh, Wild, Wilder's fighting a guy that's better than he, he's fighting most of the time. You know, he, he's going to be in some jeopardy here. But the oddsmakers are saying it's Joshua that's in the jeopardy. Yeah, just the opposite, yeah. actually, right. Just, yeah, just the opposite. Now, we're not saying we know that's not how it plays out. But that's still the unbiased opinion going in. And, you know, I don't know what Jarrell Miller's got left after the PEDs and the layoffs, but with what he could bring at his best, and, again, you don't know how much the PEDs added to it, which, you know, you gotta, you got to be fair to other fighters. Certainly they helped him. But let's say that he brought something in addition to being boosted by the PEDs uh, you know, that version of him at his best, I do, I do see where Dubois could possibly be in some trouble if if Miller's got enough left because the dude throws right. an inordinate amount of punches, and Joshua, I mean, excuse me, Dubois has not shown much resilience. Let's face it. So uh, I can see that. And he'll lean on and, you, but, and he'll keep coming, coming, and you know. Yeah, and he's he's heavy. You know, he, he's kind of heavy, not like one punch heavy-handed, but he's kind of heavy-handed. A little bit in like that old George Foreman way, not on that level, but just like yeah, he, you know, he's hitting you and, and kind of breaking guys down, that type of thing. If he's got anything left, and then Valine, you know, he he's just had that look of a determined guy in the Fury fight, and he he went into hostile territory to fight Gassiev in Turkey, you know, near nearby, of course, to Russia, you know, where Gassiev's from, and he pulled out that win. He. he you, you, you hear the guy talk. He, he's real cerebral about boxing, and he, he's got kind of a determination to him, which has shown up in the ring too. So you can't go on talk alone. So I think that's what the odds makers are feeling. And he's southpaw where Joshua had trouble dealing with Usyk. So you, you add all that together, and I can see that. I mean, I can see what they're thinking. I mean, they're, they're so they're not really that impressed with Joshua's recent performances either. Because Joshua stole me like 32. What? He's not, he's not that old yet. Um, you know, people are not talking like he's old or something. I mean, he, he, he's, you know, he, he's not old. These other guys, Wilder's getting old, even Fury, Ustick now. But, you know, Joshua's still about that old yet. So, um, yeah, that, that, so that's interesting. But then, so then we come down to on that card, again, with, with to be the problems boxing's having, so you're on December 23rd and the, a bad date in the U.S. You know, we know it's in Saudi Arabia, but again, we assume this is going to be a zone pay-per-view. 
So it's really right. a lot of kind of mediocre cards strung together. Now, on the, the one positive side, I don't think it's being toxic positive. I won't go to that state. But the positive I could say is, I mean, it, it would be a day of action that's, that's somewhat, you know, interesting with these fights like, you know, Wilder Parker, Joshua Valine, um, you know, Miller and Dubois, where, you know, you kind of settle in. It's not a great time of the year, but then you get to the, the key question as always, what are they going to charge for this? You know, if, if they want to charge you a hundred bucks or, or, or even 85, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of mediocre cards strung together. I mean, you know, th- this is one where you, if they gave you a little bit of a value, then you might say, Oh, okay. I got a lot of fights, but you know, if they're, they're going 85, a hundred bucks on December 23rd in the U S I mean, I, I don't. I don't know how that's going to do. Uh, it's a like you said. It's a bad date, and um, and you know, we for the last handful of months. I mean, more than a couple months. The kicker is, you know, we they said it was going to be Wilder and AJ. So it's like, right. And come to find out, they don't have a done deal. They're still negotiating. Now, if the money's there, I think they'll get it done. But. And hopefully, I would assume by December 23rd, they got some framework done to where they just got to put pen to paper. And so they can at least sell that as it's going. But And what the way Wilder said it uh, in a couple of interviews is that they don't even know who's the main event yet. He, he proposed, uh, you know, they can do whatever they want with it, but he proposed to flip it a coin, um, kind of like the, the walkouts for Crawford and Spence. But... Yeah, I mean, it's – I understand, like, if A.J. or Wilder is your favorite fighter and you're happy to see him back and they are going against top ten opponents, that's cool and all. Yeah, I mean, I just – I don't think – like, they're going to need highlight real knockout stuff to, to, to get some kind of buzz off of it after because doing it – yeah, like you said, I mean – I could see what you're saying. Like they have that that prospect heavyweight who's unbeaten. He's taking on another unbeaten prospect. They have some fights that could, um, you know, Frank Sanchez. That could be a better fight than we think. There, there's some fights where, like you said, sit down and watch it. If it was just right. on straight up the zone or, or something like that, but to do the pay per view right before Christmas, and it's funny because, you know, that goes back to who you're critical of and who you're not. And I don't know, man, if the PBC did a fight two days before Christmas that you had to pay for, people's air would be on fire, you know? Uh, and they, that's they the only thing nuts. we've heard, that it's pay-per-view. We've only heard pay-per-view. Right. We don't know for sure, but the only that, – that's all we hear is pay-per-view. So that, it, it, it's, it, it is funky. It really is. And they just better hope for really entertaining fights – um, like I said, the heavyweight card, that's a good, you know, idea on paper. And at least they aren't walk through opponents, uh, for the top two. I'll give them credit there, but yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I, it'd be great if it was just on regular zone, but yeah, from what I'm hearing and seeing it, it does sound like it's going to be pay-per-view, you know, and, and cause when the, when, when they do it, 
when the PBC does their pay-per-views, oh, the, it's inflation, the economy, oh, my God, you know, and, and there are some critical things, especially last year's pay-per-views, uh, you know, where we just really went after it, the Thurman Barrios, that type of thing. But, yeah, if this is on pay-per-view, they're not going to sell shit, that's for sure. Now, and there's also becoming, and this, December 23rd date in the U.S. really matters for that even more than a normal date. There, I've noticed it too, like with the Stevenson card, like we're talking Thursday night and people got to work the next day. It, it's happening more and more. There's there's the actual money cost that's becoming a problem for boxing fans, and there's becoming a time cost. Like, right, if you had to work the next day on this Thursday night card with Stevenson going on that late and just a dreadful fight, you know, you're you're saying as a fan, I can't invest the time in this. You're literally saying I'm not doing this next time. I'm not going to do it next time. Right. And that's what I'm thinking. Like it's December 23rd. So like, even if I didn't have to fork out 85 bucks or a hundred bucks, it's December 23rd. You know, for anybody celebrating Christmas, you got to get, you've got family things or things to get ready for. You're wrapping up your work here or whatever. Like all these fights, like, on one card, but then can you can you take five? Let's think you're really talking that much. Like, can you take five six hours on December twenty third? Just right. sit there on like, those with my days tweet? when you're probably traveling or getting your last second shopping. I mean, that's a good call to do. Yeah, like I like you know when I had my tweet I had in mind, like I'm going to watch Beaval and Arthur. I mean, you know. The first thing that came to mind was when everybody gets up in the middle of a rock concert during the drum solo to take a piss. You know, that's going to be the break. Like, you know, if I'm if I'm in if I'm in for five hours, am I am I watching Bevo? Am I watching Bevo and Arthur for an hour? I'm wrapping presents. I'm wrapping presents or something like that during that fight. I mean, so. Uh, yeah, and we watch it every what, week. We watch boxing yeah. every week, and we're saying this shit. That's the problem. Like, and then we're doing it every week, so it's really not whining too much. It's the truth. And this is where they're running the problems, right? It's not sustainable. And like you mentioned it earlier, like you know, I I, I did end up catching the the main, the co-main of the British card, like you know, ball. You know, Dog Bay's a real fighter, and, and Ball fought pretty well. That's kind of like a legit top ten performance. And then even though it was a huge upset, but you got Haney and Bentley on the main event, and I'm watching it, and it was close. It, it wasn't like that compared to other stuff. It didn't have any entertainment value. But it, it's not picking on these guys. It's the truth. It goes to this time investment we're talking. Like, I, I, I did decide, you know, because we follow the sport and keeping up to watch it, and, like, you know, you know, was available in the U.S. through the top-ranked deal with Warren, and but but those two guys, those those two guys didn't belong on any kind of TV main event. I mean, really, Bentley's beaten nobody. It, you, you look at it now, how the hell he went the distance with, you know, Janabek yeah, will be a head scratcher forever because he got knocked out by Felix Cash, who I think is terrible and overrated, and. Uh, now I see why he got knocked out by Felix Cash because I know Cash isn't any good, and I'm like, okay. Then, then people who were boostering all these guys were saying, oh well, yeah, well Cash knocked him out. He went the distance with with Janabek. Yeah, he did, and and that'll be a head scratcher forever because you know Janabek is a 
is a good fighter. And Bentley, you know, you, you saw how bad he was Saturday and, and getting knocked out with cash. So when he's beaten, nobody of any significance. And the Haney guy is what you, you called back in the day a club fighter. You know, he, he's not, I mean, he's not any kind of contender, never will be one. I mean, he won the fight. I mean, he clearly won the fight. Yeah, I'm happy for him because, you know, he didn't even expect it, you know? Yeah, it was like a I could I could take it from that perspective, like and and this is the problem, one of the many many problems with modern day boxing. Like, this is another good thing to point out. Like, you know, with with all the the self promotion and stuff and the nonsense and and the not, you know, just one real title and, and just not too many weight divisions. Instead of it just being Haney, this club fighter pulling a shocking upset, which is all it was, against another guy who's not that good but but was a significant favorite. We've got Warren talking about these guys in world title, you know, eliminators and fighting for titles and stuff. I mean, Haney, Haney the winner, shouldn't should be anywhere near a real near a real title. And this is going to be a Rocky story, like where, where, guys, where guys used to fight since there was one champ in eight divisions that they used to fight six times a year and he's one of the six or something, you know? I mean, like that, that was different, but like for nowadays, and I'm not faulting with the dangers and the risks these guys take when you get to the elite level. I'm actually not somebody faulting the, the fight twice a year. I just say both fights got to be good then. That's all. But like, you know, for when, for when fighters are only fighting twice a year, you know, for some top middleweight to have one of them be against a guy like Haney. I mean, come on, you know? So, you know, it was a good story, just with an upset, and you know, entertaining in that sense. But but don't don't pretend like they were that that this leads to something or or this is meaningful. I mean, these were these these were two guys that that aren't legit top ten level fighters, and 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 fighting in a main event. So, you know, in that sense, yeah, it's available in the U.S. There's some good to it, but on the other hand, look look at look at what it is. So. Um, yeah, not you know, and like you said, we get you know, this is kind of what we get every we get this kind of stuff every week. So, um, yeah, lots of lots of lots of lots of problems. Any other items from the weekend that you uh, would like to uh, talk about at all, or should we jump into Benavides Andre in the weekend that's upon us? Just real briefly. You know, you, you had the top rank showing prospects. And, again, you know, it's on the plus. You don't have to watch it. But that's that time investment problem again. You know, Isley was about, you know, he, he barely scraped by. It's about what I expected. He, he's just, you know, what what don't I like about what he does? He, middleweight is really where you're starting to get up into divisions where you've got to have power, you know, to really be a threat. And while he looks strong, in terms of his punching power, he's he's obviously underpowered as a middleweight, and then he gets hit. So that that's a bad combo. You know, not not having power, getting hit relatively easily is not a good combination. So he scraped by. Um, then you know we had Abdallah Mason, you know, get a guy out of there quickly, which I celebrated like everybody else, just because we're we're looking to see something like this is what we're talking about, Chris. You know, of course he's earlier on on the way up, but fans are hungry to see something. And, you know, it was funny. I was reading, you know, just before we went on, as you kind of mentioned, Wilder 
talking about the December 23rd card, and, and he was giving an interview why he should be the main event. And he was talking about how he knocked right, people knock out. out. And that's what the fans want to see. And I was chuckling because it actually was true. Like, even though he was talking about himself, like, there actually was a lot of truth to it. That goes to the old Emmanuel Stewart, the fans want knockouts. And that's like, you know, what, what we're not getting from guys, you know, guys like Stevenson and B-Ball. And, and as you pointed out, you should be able to box and get a win and, and appreciate the mission of the sport like that. But, but these guys can't, they can't think it out, and, you know, ask the fans to keep coming back for that. I, I just, it's just, it's still an entertainment business. So you, you got, you got to box and then still be, you know, putting hurt on the opponent landing, uh, especially younger prime guys, you know, like sometimes we're talking about Mayweather, you know, he kept winning, which is is important. And, and what you got to say too is remember, a lot of those fights, and that's when he's a welterweight. He's still fighting top opposition, and he he's an older guy fighting at welterweight when he fought at one thirty. You know, that's a different situation um, than than Mike Stevenson's a, a prime guy, just supposed to be kind of kind of starting to enter the prime, and you know, he, he's putting performances on like that. That 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 to me is another difference. But that's about that's about wraps up the weekend stuff from last weekend. So we have an interesting fight. Uh, David Benavidez, Demetrius Andre. Uh, um, you know, Andre is a guy that you know at times can look like a, a difficult um, style matchup. At times he can look good in the first few rounds and look like he's about to stop someone and then it kind of kind of goes away. Um, he's got he's got talent, there's no doubt about it, but it's been so long since he even fought like a Willie Nelson or, or something like that. Um, and, you know, to be fair, Billy Joe Saunders is the one that messed that fight up. So that would have been a decent opponent, good opponent, but you know, it, it's been a long time, <laughs> and um, like I said earlier, I do like the mentality this year for David Benavidez. Um, it was two separate times that he was in one of those offers to Canelo, so I get wait to see what Canelo was going to do. Now we know what he did with his deal, and so instead of sitting around, I do like what Benavidez has done here. Um now, obviously, you know, interesting fights on the undercard beyond the uh, the tune-up, or at least Jamal Charlo hopes it's a tune-up. I'd assume it is, uh, you know, when given the opponent in the weight class. But I guess you never know. It is boxing. He's been out of the ring for a while. Um, some interesting matchups, though, uh, to, you know, definitely. And we also have Chantel Cameron and, and Katie Taylor in part two. A lot of people think that it might be even wider than the first time. First fight was a good fight, but it was a clean win by Cameron. A lot of people think of Taylor is probably, you know, already kind of on the down slope, probably going to fall off the cliff. Not fall off the cliff like she's getting stopped or something, but a lot of people do favor Chantel. But let's start with the main event. Benavidez, Demetrius Andre, obviously in the first half of the fight or something like that, he does pose... You know, he's got some length, he's got boxing ability, he can jab pretty well. He can, you know, he can do some stuff um, as you're trying to kind of 
corner him in, in, in all that. You know, I've seen some folks that said, you know, maybe he should try to dig to the body. No matter how good a shape Benavides gets, he is a little soft around there. Um, but, you know, I mean, I think he's got a jab to win rounds, and especially in the early part, I think he can score points to win rounds. When he is on, he can clean punch, no doubt about it. Um, we've never really seen him, you know, on this level. And the fact that it took so long, um, it, it, it's a little troublesome because you just don't know what kind of performance you're going to get out of him. Now, at least he's not coming off a year plus. The PBC earlier this year did give him at least a, a you know a tune-up so he can get a camp, get a fight, and then stay in shape ready for this fight to get announced. And that's basically exactly what happened. Um, Benavides generally takes a little while to warm up. Um, you know, he's got a pretty good jab. He throws in combinations. He's got fast hands. I think he does a better job than people give him credit, especially once you get into the fight more of blocking shots with that kind of high guard. But it's not the high guard trying to just be defensive and let a guy go off on him. He's going to want to, uh, you know, throw in combination a lot. And I think there are some counter opportunities, some point scoring opportunities. Uh, for Andre early in this fight, how do you see this, this fight breaking down? Because – you know, we do have kind of the, the boxer, puncher, come forward, you know, vibe going on with this fight. And that is always one of those fights or style matchups that, you know, favor the boxer if the boxer's on the elite level. I just think, you know, you can make an argument that Andre uh, could be more of a challenge than what Plant was able to give. Uh that's a that's a fair argument. We got to see it in the ring, though. Um, and you know, for the outside, like Benavides is a is a tall dude. He's like six two or something like that. But he doesn't actually have that long of arms per se. I mean, it is you know um, super middleweight, but I think it's like seventy four, seventy four and a half or whatever. So it's not like Andre has this length on him. Um, how do you see this one playing out uh, in the ring on Saturday night? John? Well, some people are saying it's not a, a good comparison, but I agree with you. I, I do think there's at least some comparisons with the Plant fight. I think Plant might be a little quick Android, but even though they've both been pro a long time and they both do, did have good U.S. amateur pedigree, am, uh, Android had a better amateur career than Plant. Um, I, I think all around uh, he's got more offensive variety than, than Plant does, and he's able to conventionally punch and defend a little better than Plant. And, you know, that the unorthodox nature works for Plant sometime, but once you slow up just a little bit, and I, I think we did see that with him even against Benavides, speaking of Plant, uh, then that doesn't work as well. So I do think Andre's going to pose – a little bit tougher of a challenge yet. I do think there's some similarities in the two fights. And that's where I just think, you know, for me, I've said a lot about Benavides still going to say it because it, even though it hasn't, it's happened when he's, he's actually missed weight. Uh, but 
you know, he, he was well, he weighed well into the 200s as a teenager early in his career. He was weighing at the light heavyweight limit, even though it was against lesser opposition. I thought as good as he's been, I thought he was much more impressive. There, there's, to me, there's just a day with him where this 168 making 168 is just going to catch up to him and it's not going to be there. There's going to be some kind of problem. I'm not saying it's going to be Saturday night. You know, it hasn't, it hasn't happened recently and he's been making the weight, but I still got to think as he's getting older, especially with what his weight history was. And, and this, this really to me is not a natural weight for him. It just, just never looks like it. Um, that that one day he's going to get in there and have problems. I'm not saying that's going to be Saturday, but I think it's going to. If he keeps fighting at 168, uh, not that that couldn't happen to anybody, but especially with him, I think that's going to happen. So I always have to throw that out there with him that you have to watch for that. But presuming, yeah, got to wait till Friday the, to kind of check it out too on the way and on the scale how he looks. Yeah, well, if, you know something like if he had to make a couple attempts to make the weight or something like that, or that, and then he's, you know, coming right, in at okay. 168 right on the nose. I usually look for those types of things, but uh, I think I'll still feel even safe though tonight. Assuming that's not going to happen with him. Uh, I think he's got too much volume. He actually, again, talking about himself, like we just talked about Wilder. Sometimes you think a fighter might be delusional, but, thought Wilder was talking somewhat accurately about himself and Benavidez I thought was last week too describing his own style you know that he's got some skills he's got power and then he, he's he's got the high volume punching that that makes him a difficult package to deal with and I think that's the truth you know with a guy like Andrade I just think Plant's going to have too much volume excuse me um Benavidez and then the answer for somebody like Andrade would be you know, just if if he's so good defensively that he's just not getting hit. Well, you know, get older. Uh, he's probably just on age now past his best, even though he hasn't had that one big fight he was looking for up until now, and PBC did get him that. Now he, he's getting that big fight. I do think, you know, like some of these fighters, uh, like, you know, Jana Beck, I, I do think that even though, People will do it for the money. Obviously, Benavidez is doing it now. I do think Andrade is one of those guys that people would prefer not to fight. You know, as boring as Stevenson was Saturday night, I mean, he's probably in that group now, too, because there's a lot of guys around that weight class, but they're probably not really jumping out to fight him. It's not that they won't, if the money's there, enough money, but they're they're not going bending over backwards to fight these guys. So, you know, Andrade's been waiting for this opportunity. That's what happens sometimes to guys like that, too. It's not until they get older sometimes that a bigger name is willing to get in with them. So Andre's got Benavidez. And you remember, I think, I think really PBC probably wanted this to be Morel. And I think, and I did predict that one before that, before that fell apart. I said, I can't picture Benavidez just voluntarily saying, you know, I'm going to fight Morel. Maybe I'll be wrong, but, and it, and it didn't happen. Right, right. Ended up, I, I think that's, you know, Andre's not going to bring the offense that Morrell would bring or the youth. So I think that's why he's there instead of Morrell. Put Morrell in that class, too. I think he's another one of those guys that it's going to take a lot of money. Uh, nobody's really going to be looking to fight him. Nobody is looking to fight him. So I think I don't think Benavidez wanted him for this one. So, yeah, Andrade is a good opponent, though, and it, it's an interesting fight. But I, 
I just think unless Benavides has any weight problems, it's going to be too much volume. I think Andrade's skilled enough. He should be able to go to 12. Like Plant barely hung on there and did it. I think it would be a little easier for Andre to do it, but not much easier. But I think he probably does a little bit better than Plant did uh, throughout the fight, but I just think it will be a similar type thing where Benavidez just coming, coming, and he's got some skills in pop too. It's going to be too much power and pressure. And like you said, he's got size too. He's got a, he's going to have a significant size strength advantage over Benavidez. I, I mean, excuse me, over uh, Andre, and it's just going to be too much. And I think uh, you know Benavidez will out volume, volume him, and I, I don't think it'll be too tough of a victory for him. But similar to the plant fight, but a, a little bit tighter. I think Andre won't have to hang on like Plant did to go the distance, but I think it'll be a clear Benavides win at the end unless he has some kind of tr- trouble making the weight. Yeah, that is. I mean, at some point, you're right. It is. It's it's going to catch up to him. He looks in great shape. You know, if you flash back a chunk of years ago, sure. But yeah, he, he is a big guy, and um, it seem like. Not that he blows way up in weight, but like you said, he's just a big guy, so he's got weight to drop like a fair amount. Um, it is funny, a couple of weeks ago, there was a shot of him with like a like a, a bigger shirt on him, and it kind of made him look bigger. And then, you know, that's what's funny about like the internet and pictures and angles and all sorts of stuff, because then you see like two days later with the shirt off, and you're like, Oh no, he looks like he's in good shape. You know, like it just—it just—I don't know. It's, it's until you actually see it on the scale, and if there is some troubles, like you said, um, even fight week, a lot of times you can tell that their face—you know—they they look drained or um, that type of thing. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I would feel worse for Andre as far as like not getting big fights if he didn't have a lot to do with the business side of it. You know, he had a lot, he, he turned down a lot of fights and Hey, he took certain money, whether it's rock nation or the zone. And, and that's cool. He took better money. That That's fine. But you do got to kind of live with those consequences. And I just didn't, I don't like how he handled, like we all know the first Charlo fight, he dipped on it. But the second time I wasn't, big on how he handled the fight thing because and it's funny because Mannix was trying to set it all up because you know Mannix is with the zone and whatnot. you know he's over there talking about well you know I don't like Big Baby on this uh, card but if he were to win him and AJ's a pretty good fight it's like dude stop <laughs> it he tweeted that and it's yeah. like okay we get it you work for the zone dude. We can't just stick to the NBA or something but um right. I did what I didn't like about it was, and he said it on his show. Well, actually, you know, uh, Showtime offered me a one-off fight with Charlo or a three-fight deal, including Charlo, and he turned it down because the per fight. You know, he said to fight. I forgot Ket. Uh, what what was that guy's name? Kessler or K, some 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 not Kessler, but like it was with a K. I can't remember the guy he, he fought, but he his name right now. But he said. Uh, it's like Luke Keller or something like that. He's like, to fight guys like this, I get more money per fight. He said it right to him. 
my problem was he went to the zone, got the deal, and then started calling out Charlo like he, you know, he's afraid to fight. Yeah. It was like, well, hold on, you know, you have the deal in place. If you don't want to take it, cool, but don't turn around and be like, oh, he's ducking me. I, I just haven't liked this whole um, shtick when it comes to that. But he, you know, styles do make fights, and opponents are awkward and and tough to deal with and tough to land on cleanly and and they can land cleanly on you, and there are some things that he does. I do respect his skill. It's just been a long time since, you know, like I said, Willie Nelson and and Cloquet. You know, it's been a long time since he fought guys that were at least solid, you know. So, and that's taking nothing away from, like, Liam Williams, who maybe solid is the wrong word. These guys are solid, some of them, but... um, yeah, I just think he's gotten to this place. He doesn't have experience at all in a big, big fight. And I don't know. I, I just don't know. He's just so inconsistent in the ring. Um, and I, I don't know. It, it, I do have Benavidez winning by decision. But I do think that first five to six, seven rounds, it's, I wouldn't be surprised if Andre's right there with him 3-3. Three, three, or maybe even up a little bit, and, and he has to really start to wear down um, Andre because I just like you said the activity. Uh, he's got a good, he's got fundamentals as well, uh, Benavidez, and I think at some point he's, he's going to catch up to his timing. And like I said, he, he does a pretty good job of blocking shots and then countering off it. And I, like I said, people have been saying lately. I've, I've read it today and couple days ago maybe he should work on the body and it's like yeah I don't know how often you want to go there because he is pretty quick-fisted even though Andre's quicker I, I do think that you know I think he can counter pretty well he's just uh he's once Benavides gets his timing he's a lot he's not just an offensive fighter um he could do these little subtle things that get better as the fight goes on. So I'm with you on the Benavides uh, by decision. Did you say by decision, correct? Yeah. And then uh, Matias Ergashev, Ergashev, Southpaw, sometimes falls in love with his left hand too much, but boy, can he deliver it. He's got this little awkward, quick, he's kind of quick-handed, but also quick-footed. Like he's, He can really move on his feet. I think he could be a style matchup that we could look and go, huh, wow, this might be a little bit, you know, this this, this has potential upset on it. He doesn't have a lot of, uh, you know, a bunch of good wins on his record. We've seen him somewhat recently, you know, on Showtime. He's a, I think the lowest I see is a plus 290, 295. That's back on that Unibig. Uh, yeah, I think that's the lowest that I see him at is a plus 295 on DraftKings. Um, what do you think about this? Obviously, Matias is always a fun fighter to watch. He does get hit a lot. I think stylistically, Ergashev could bring something. And I'm actually calling for an upset, Lamont Roach, over Hector Luis Garcia. What do you think about some of these undercard fights? Uh, and we can include the prelims because... You know, at the stage of their career, especially Lipinets, who's been rumored to have a Matias 
fight or a bunch of different fights this last like year. But uh, Michelle Rivera, Rivera and, and Sergey Lipinets and Vito against Salazar too on the uh, I believe the YouTube Showtime prelims. Uh, go ahead and talk about whatever you want uh, on this undercard, John. Well, this uh, this Ergashev Matias fight is the fight I like really by far the best on the card. To me, when you're going to go pay-per-view with this stuff, and we're definitely getting too much pay-per-view, and I don't think this one really makes the cut, but this is the type of fight that make, makes it more palatable, and you, you want to see these kind of fights lined up on these cards if these are going to be pay-per-view. So I like this fight a lot. You know, the thing that's been amazing about Matias is, you know, he comes forward that aggressively, and except for that one stumble that he later avenged, uh, only one person who wasn't a puncher was able to, to hold him off and put hurt on him enough to upset his rhythm and, and get a win, and then he avenged that and did, did his usual in the rematch. Um, but Ergashev, I think, has the pop that even though nobody else has been able to do it except that one fight, even much better punchers, I, I'm I'm thinking he might be able to bang Matias hard enough to to get his attention and possibly change that rhythm. But I think the problem for him is you know, the way Matias comes at you with that kind of violence and volume, and and he's very underrated at kind of the quickness he has the ability to cut you off where he can keep that pressure on. You can't get away from him. And that's really, I think what makes him especially difficult to fight is when he just keeps hitting you like that, and he's heavy handed and with that high volume, you can't, you can't get away from him. I think it's going to take a, a big bang. Like, like in other words, movers can't get away from him. That, that's what makes him different than some other pressure fighters. You, you, you can't, you try to move, you can't get away from him. He's still on you. He's still banging you. But I think somebody who can bang hard enough, the way he just comes at you like that, you know, might be able to put some hurt on him and, and then hold him off that way. Ergashev could be that guy. What I don't like, though, is the, kind of what you mentioned. Ergashev's level of opposition hasn't been good, and then he's been off 15 months. And to be off 15 months and get in there with a guy that's going to bring the package Matias brings at you, that's difficult to me. Like, that's where you got to be sharp. You know, you've got to be on the top of your game. And being off 15 months, Ergashev's not going to be at the top of his game. But I'm still having trouble making a final call on this one, though, because I've really respected Ergashev's power. I think the guy can really bang. And you know Matias is going to be there. And there's part of me thinking that, Ergashev might be the one guy that, that can bang him hard enough and get him get him in trouble when he's coming in right there for you. But the thing with Matias is that there's no room for error. I mean, if you if you can't if you can't hurt the guy and hold him off, he, he's impo- he, he, so far he's been impossible to move away from and not get hit. Uh, so you know that that really was like that Jukamaya fight, who, who he bangs well too. You know, he, he was banging away with him, and, and he, he couldn't hold him off. You know, that, that, that's the other thing in my mind, though, is that with that Jukabaya fight, he, he's got power, and, and he, he couldn't hold him off. He could not hold him off. The guy, Matias, is just, he, he's one of the most unique packages in boxing. 
Uh, that, that's what's really interesting every time the guy gets out there. And, and I'm with everybody else. You, you think there's one day, he, you know, he's not going to be able to do it from that high contact style, but, but that hasn't happened yet. So having trouble making a call on this one, if Ergashev maybe had had one more fight against a little better opposition and, and wasn't off as long, I might be calling for the upset possible, but I don't know if he I don't know if he's in the position to deal with somebody like Matias with who he's fought and how long he's been off. But I think he's I think he's got the power to do it. So I, I think that one's really interesting. Um you know, Jamal Charlo, I've always been a big believer in his talent, probably even more than most and I've always felt he, he was the more talented of the two twins with Jamel, even with what Jamel's accomplished. Um, but, you know, being off two years, I think with the time he's lost, and I'm not even going to get into, look, you know, we've learned more about these types of things, and, and we know even more so than ever the damage that boxing can do. So if, if he said he's – I'm not going to question it. You know, if he, if he said he had mental health issues, needs to be off, then, you know, that, that's the way it is. But I, now that he's back, you know, maybe looking at it as a making up for lost time thing, even after two years, I, I don't like, I just don't think Jose Benavidez is good enough of an opponent. That's one of the things I don't like about this card. I think, you know, Charlo. Yeah, and they're all, really not trying to get him beat on his comeback fight. <laughs> no, I, I think if he at all has it together, he should stop him. Not only should he win, he should stop him. Um, if it's the Jamal Charlo, I know, I would think he would stop him, even at this point after two years off. Uh, totally I think agree. that's almost kind of almost what he needs here. I mean, that's kind of – it's really not a, it's not a good opponent. They're trying to make it justifiable, but it's not. I mean, I, I don't even look at Benavidez as a middleweight, you know, Jose Benavidez. And, you know, he's fought sporadically. He's never beaten anybody. He He's just a, a fighter who was – a highly regarded prospect at one time who just didn't pan out. And, you know, he's been sporadic since. And, um, you know, when he fights. So I, I just, I, I didn't, I don't like this one. I, I just don't, I, I think you're going to go pay-per-view even with Charles come back after two years. Hey, it's, it's time to make up for lost time. This is pay-per-view. Uh, it should, it should have been somebody better. So I, 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 that's this is one fight on the card I I don't like, but uh, yeah, then you know Rivera and Lipinex that's a, that's a that's a good action fight. Uh, you know Rivera coming off some PEDs. You know Lipinex I think he's kind of kind of past his his best at this point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but you know, but he still brings something. So. You know that, that's it's got. Oh, he'll bring it. It's got, that's the one thing yeah, he'll, he'll guarantee. He'll bring it. He'll he'll bring it, and uh, he even seemed to, you know, leave Buddy McGirt as trainer because he wanted to get back to bringing it. You know, McGirt had him in some boxing, some which McGirt likes to do. I mean, he likes to at least have his fighters not just have to take punishment. I mean, you can always see that influence in his training. Um, I think to his credit, he does a good job with it, actually. But it just seemed like Lipinets, yeah, di- didn't want to go with that style. You know, it's been a while since that break happened, but uh, that that seems to be what that's about. So yeah, he's he's interested in just going back to a style where he just brings it. So should should be entertaining. But um, you know, right after Thanksgiving, again, we're getting in the holiday season. I I think the idea of this is 
you know, of course, Showtime's ready to exit the game, and PBC's in a bit of limbo now until that gets straightened out. Was kind of lead to this for being a pay-per-view. The only thing, in addition to that, I think making a pay-per-view is, you know, when they went with Benavides' plan, I think that they probably felt like Benavides was on his way to maybe being built up as an attraction. So probably trying to see if they can keep that going, but it's not really that good time of the year. And even though the main event's interesting and you got the uh, Matias and Ergashev, which I really like a lot, overall not not, not that great of a card. So not real optimistic how this is going to do pay-per-view-wise. Yeah, it looks like it's doing like, especially considering a, a holiday, um, <clears throat> doing pretty good at the gate. But yeah, I wouldn't expect it to do all that much. Maybe the best they can ask for is like, you know, to make money off of twenty or thirty thousand buys off of the, uh, you know, the rate that they need to to, to break even, kind of like the plan fight. Um, but yeah, I do. That Matias Ergashev fight that I really got to dig into that a little bit more because that's that's going to be a fun fight. I do really like that. And then uh, Cameron Taylor, what do you think? You think Taylor's kind of on the downside and she's been you know showing signs of of wear and tear. Do you think Chantel yeah, will think, even you know, win it cleaner this time? Yes, I think she was. You know, Katie Taylor, good fighter. You know, but she was. She was getting by. I didn't think she deserved the decision against Serrano, um, and she was in trouble early in that fight. Cameron was extremely impressive just with her preparation, head movement, the way she put pressure on. That was just really, uh, you know, in, in the in the women's game, that that was one of the most impressive performances I think of recent years, and. I think she's going to do it again. I, I think, like you said, you, you've got now added to it that Katie Taylor's probably on the downside. Um, you know, Cameron brings some pop. So, uh, you know, Katie Taylor really is, doesn't, you know, boxes more, doesn't really hurt her opponents. And, and she's now, I think she is on the downside. You know, age-wise, you would expect it to for what weight she fights at. So, uh yeah, I think Cameron should be able to do it again. I'm not like you said. I'm not saying she'll she'll definitely get a stoppage, but it's probably not impossible. But uh, I think it would be less likely. But yeah, this is one that I don't see any reason why Cameron can't do it again, and I think she will. That was just such an impressive performance. I think she's got the confidence. She should still build on that. As long as she's in the condition she was in, like the first fight, I would think Katie Taylor would be slipping some and, and she was taking quite a bit of punishment in that first meeting they had. So I think uh, Cameron should be able to do it again and she should be up for some... Uh, this is, of course, a big series of fights that she did get. She she should be up for some uh, some good fights after this because she really was impressive in the victory. It wasn't just a big victory getting the W. It was an impressive performance as well. So I think, I think she'll do it again. All right. Well, thanks for breaking everything down there with us. Uh, have yourself a, a, a happy Thanksgiving. You, you hosting, or are you going someplace or what, what's, what's the deal? John? I, I got the double. I'm, I'm hosting and cooking. So, 
Uh, oh, wow. Okay. Mom, mom passed away a few years ago. I ended up uh, assuming the cooking duties, believe it or not. So I, right. I learned a lot what learned a lot what mom had to go through through those decades. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I have an extra appreciation. I was telling somebody about that today. Well, but I do. I said I've got a lot of a lot of appreciation. I I did used to have growing up where we used to just sit around there, and, uh, well, well, get getting cooked and then cleaned up for and things like that. So uh, I was going to say we, that next. Somebody better be doing the dishes though, because I, I made me and my brother always made sure to do the dishes. You know. Yeah, you're right about that. Now, now that I have taken over the cooking duties, I kind of, yep. I kind of go over to the side when it comes to that, get the dishes cleaned up and uh, put away and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. Uh, luckily, I have family members that are assuming those duties. So, yeah, it's, uh, we'll start some uh, getting some stuff ready tomorrow night and things like that. But I, I, I've gotten used to it now over the last few years. So, we're, uh, yeah, we're in the traditional family house here in New Jersey and, and uh, fam, family coming over. So uh, it should, should be good. How about yourself? I'm, uh, I'm staying, I'm staying in town. Um, I'll be hanging out with some kind of a friends giving a little bit later at night. Going to bring uh, something to the, everyone kind of bring something to the party. So yeah, I'm keeping it local. Uh, usually I'll, I'll go up North uh in northern minnesota for 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 christmas so i usually uh usually keep it because i work wednesday and friday so it's like yeah it's like a three-hour trip up there i'm like nah i'm good i'll just stay put watch some football hang out catch up with some friends i haven't seen in a while yeah what wednesday now this catches people off guard but it's been official for i think a couple decades now wednesday is the wednesday before thanksgiving is now the the biggest going out. Yeah, the biggest night bar night. Yeah, yep. biggest bar night. People don't realize that. They nope. Yeah, they assume it's New Year's, but people right. don't realize the 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 amount of parties that are at houses on New Year's. Whereas that's not the case here. You're right. It is the it is because you have like people don't want to cook. They don't want anything to do with it. You got right. people coming into town. You go out to eat. You got college students coming back. They go hang out. Yeah, right. it is. It's actually the biggest bar night. In just restaurant, uh, you know, of the year. Yep, yep. It's funny yep. when I tell people that, but it's so yeah, true. Yeah, about 20, 30 years ago, about 20 years ago, 20, 25 years ago, it's over New Year's Eve. So just for the reasons you yep. said. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's, the big, that's the biggest going out night of the year now, tomorrow night. Oh, yeah. Yep. All right, my friend. Happy holidays, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, Chris. Have a good Thanksgiving. Talk to you next week. Enjoy the fight. All right, right back at you. Take it easy. Take care. All right, and whether you you know celebrate Thanksgiving or not, it's all good with me. I have to admit, Thanksgiving, you know, once I got to a certain age, I loved the food. I love hanging with the family, friends, and all that. But you know, the actual holiday, to be honest with you, it is kind of it's kind of fucked up, or not kind of. It is. You know, talking to my native friends, and it's like, yeah, it is fucked up. Like, if you consider what happened, they took us in, the quote-unquote pilgrims, and uh, and then, you know, fed us and all that, right? But, uh, you know, I'll, I'll leave it that, at that. But, yeah, it's more about, you know, being thankful and, 
and hanging out with the fans and eating some good food. And obviously in the U.S., it's, you know, it's a lot of football involved as well. I did want to get to some of the the recap and, and give my thoughts on some of these other fights too. The Navarrete, uh, Navarrete and uh, <clears throat> Conceição. You know, I thought he Conceição started the fight really good. I gave him the first. Uh, let's see, my scorecard. I think it's the first three, if I remember correctly. Yep, first three rounds I gave it to him. Um, now, don't get me wrong. There was moments where it was, you know, two way and all that. But I thought Conceição was countering back, even when he got landed on. He landed the better of the shots. Um, you know, some really, really nice left hooks, some wild right hands, um, and he was pushing Navarrete back, and it was kind of, you know, as John said, it, it was kind of interesting to see Navarrete moving probably too much, uh, you know, giving away some rounds he probably didn't need to do. Now, in his last fight, you know, against Valdez, he did – he moved a little bit, but it was a lot more subtle. It was a lot more upper body and head movement. It's still being around there to deliver punches. He, he did, like, you know, peel off another layer to his style, and I was pretty impressed with it. But I didn't. I don't think he should have went full go uh, on the outside. But needless to say, it was a left uppercut with like under a minute to go followed up with two right hands, scoring the knockdown, so it was 10-8. to Um, And I just don't think he was, like I said, even in the third round, Navarrete became more aggressive because he's like, okay, that didn't work. But to me, I thought Conceso with the jab, the lead right hand, I I thought he was just doing better work early on. Uh, The fifth round, I I thought he bounced back pretty well, Conceso. I thought... You know, along with the jab and the right hand, once again, the left hooks, I just thought he was getting better of the exchange. There was an exchange in the mid midway point of the fifth. I thought he did better. You know, I thought, I thought he did better. Now, in the sixth, you could say he was busier, but I kind of started to think, you know, I, I don't know. I, I thought he was starting to break some of that high guard down. Navarrete, because Conceso will stick in that high ground. I did actually thought he, in the in the sixth round, you know, I, I thought he made, I was like, okay, he, he's starting to do, but he landed the bigger shots. He, like I said, busier wise for sure. Like, I don't know what the copy box is, but I, I remember him being busy in that one. But I, Navarrete may have won that round just off the, the strength of the better punches. We know in the seventh round he did because that's a 10-8 round. Um, you had Conceso kind of at range, circling, uh, kind of scoring points, but a right hand to the body. Dropped Conceso, got up, and for the last minute, he started landing some really heavy shots. But, you know, Conceso, Conceso did this a couple times in this fight. Um, he bounced right back in the eighth. It was a good back-and-forth round. If he gave it to the Navarrete, I'm not saying, oh, what are you talking about? But I thought he, he landed the better shot. Um, then I thought Navarrete started to kind of pick up the pace, um, 
closing stronger on the rounds to make sure he got the round. I gave him the ninth. I gave him the tenth. Um, you could see Conceso was starting to plan his feet more and throw more punches. But the body work, the combos to the head, um, I think, you know, some shots down the stretch stole that round for him. And then the 11th I gave, obviously, Navarrete. I mean, Conceso started looking really tired. Uh, he, it was basically like arm punching at that at that point. And then that second half of that ninth round, Navarrete just, just let his hands go. And it looked pretty bad. I got to admit, I had uh, the fight going – I had fight going the distance, right? I had a bet for the fight going the distance. And then I did have uh, Navarrete by decision. I had a bet on that too, uh, which was a bigger plus number. Not a huge plus number, but it was bigger than the knockout. And uh, <laughs> I got to admit, like, I thought once he scored the two knockdowns, he was going to get it in the way he closed the ninth through the 11th. But here's the thing. Conceso looking like he's not out on his feet, but he was looking freaking bad. This dude comes back and, and shows himself to be a, you know, just great. Like, he was busier. It was a great, you know, good action round. Great way to down the stretch of that round in the 12th. But he, he came back and won that round. And that's actually what I believe, if I remember correctly, it, isn't that what, what tied it? I think that's what tied it, if I remember correctly. And whether I, you know, I had six six or six five one, um, it was close. And so they had it. Uh, so I had it uh, one fourteen, one thirteen Navarrete, um, or, or or you know, either way, honestly. I mean, Conceso had that lead that he got off in the copy box, which was pretty surprising too. He landed over. 200 punches through 852. It took a while for Navarrete to really start throwing it. I mean, he even out-body worked um, Navarrete, 43-26. But it was 114-112 Navarrete, and then two draw scorecards, 113-113. So, obviously, they had it two seven-to-fives, and then the two knockdowns, which I was cool with, too. A seven-to-five, either way, that doesn't that's cool. The other, you know, obviously that scorecard that had Navarrete winning, that was a draw scorecard. So I, I was fine with like six 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 five one, um, either way. And if you if you don't think Navarrete won that fight, I'm not going to sit there and you know have some big debate about it. I'm, I'm just not because you know that's fair. You know, I mean, for him to come back off of both those knockdowns and win rounds, or at least do damn good. And then when it looked like he was at his worst in that 11th round for him to come back, and he threw like 100, over 100 punches in that round. I mean, that was saying something, man. Um, Troy Isley got the job done against Vladimir Hernandez, Floyd Diaz, uh, Brian uh, Norman Jr. won as well, Emiliano Emiliano, uh, Vargas um, won. Abdullah Mason, that was a nasty knockout. That kid, it appears he has the goods. Um, now, in that ESPN Plus uh, UK BT sport card, Nick Bell, real clean, clean 
easy decision for against Dogby. I, I thought he looked really good in that fight. Um, and then, you know, uh, what is it? Uh, Hannah Rankin lost. Uh, I think it was split decision, if I remember correctly. I mean, there was there was some upsets. Obviously, that Eni, um, he he won. That uh, Harry Scroff, he won. Um, I, I mean, like I said, Nick Ball took took it pretty easy. <clears throat> you know, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, debate when it came to that. That wasn't really. Don't really need to break that down, and not to rip on him or anything like that. You know, he, he definitely did good. Definitely not ripping him or anything like that. But he, he uh, that you know, there's not much to say about that one. Um, what else we got here? Um, oh yeah, just kind of breaking down that Denzel Bentley and uh, Nathan Heaney. Um, first two rounds I gave to Heaney. He was landing like he was on the ropes a little bit and moving a lot, but he would land like really nice right hands, and he would follow it up with combos. Uh, you know, Bentley started out and was mostly the the aggressor with his jab. He was trying to cut the ring off, and I, I didn't think he really did a good job of that uh, in the first two rounds. Uh, multiple right hands to the head, along with the jab, kind of did it for him. Then I thought uh, Bentley. Um, won the third and the fourth. He landed some really nice early right hands, and then late, some really solid right hands to the head. Kind of more of the same. I think he added the left hook um, in the fourth round. <clears throat> but it was kind of back and forth. And, and, you know, the fifth and sixth were really close. The head movement, the counters with the right hand and the left hook for, for Haney or Heaney. Uh, but Bentley closed, you know, with combinations the sixth round. He may have taken that round. The seventh, um, I definitely – I thought he was busier. But it was mostly arm punches from Heaney in that one. The eighth round was really close. Um, Heaney was still using his timing to land the better shot. There was a big right hand midway of that eighth round that you could have given, you know, Denzel the, that, that round off of that punch. Uh, it was a close round for me. I did think Heaney cleaned it out the ninth and tenth, though. Um, actually, was it the ninth round or the tenth round that uh, Bentley threw him down? <laughs> but yeah, he had a good distance to him, landed the better. You know, he was like I said, those upper body movements, um, combinations, that type of thing. Um, and then the eleventh, that was another close ass round. The, the 12th was a pretty fun round to watch. I gave that to Heaney. But that, you know, I, that was a close round, the 11th round. I'd probably say, like, Bentley was busier. Maybe you just give it off to that. They, they did exchange in that, the last part of the 11th. And so maybe you could say, well, I liked what Heaney did in the exchanges. Either way, though, he definitely won the fight. I had it 7-5. to five. Uh, for the winner, 116, 113, 117, 111, and 114, 114. So it was, uh, you know, a majority decision. Um, but a big win. Nice win, that's for sure. Um, and then that um, DeCrez and uh, Webster, um, you know, 
whatever. Decrez snuck it out on the scorecards, and it, it appeared to be a close fight either way. One judge had it 95-95. Um, really slow start from both of them. Um, one and two, you know, I, I thought that Webster started the fight better. That's not really saying a whole lot. Um, some really, yeah, some nice left hooks that landed clean. Uh, Webster had the jab in the right hand going a little bit. The fifth round, I thought the left hand uh, in just combinations were starting to the head from uh, Cress, Solomon DeCress. I, I thought he started taking over the fight more then, kind of, you know, sticking and moving, countering a little bit here and there. The eighth round was pretty slow as hell. I did give DeCress the last two, the jab, some left hooks. Some back and forth in that tenth round. Uh, in the last half of it or whatever. I think, oh, yeah, he got a point deducted for, like, a forearm, didn't he? Some decent back and forth. I think the jab of the right hand won that round, but obviously it was 9-9. to Um, It could have went either way, to be honest with you. Um, That Liam Davies and Vincenzo uh, La Familia or something like that, that was a fun fight because that Vincenzo – uh, he got knocked down in the third and in the fourth, right? But in that third round, Davies got knocked down. He ended up, Liam ended up knocking uh, I think it was, yeah, it was a TKO in the fifth round. So that that was a whole lot of fun. That was a fun one, no doubt about it. Like I said, that Harry Scaris, he, he won, he beat. Uh, that was a really close fight. There was two close fights, and they both lived up to it as far as, you know, on the betting odds. And when you look at the odds in general – you know, on this card, I don't know. I mean, do, do you think that Andre – I do think there's value in Andre at a plus 300, plus 290. Uh, I really do think that. Um, I think Ergashev, you know, plus, two, plus 295 is like the lowest I see, plus 290, my bad, plus 310, like that. To me, that's – that's pretty that's, – that's worth taking a flyer out. When you look at that Rivera-Lipinets, I really don't know who's going to win that fight. They're both minus numbers right now. I only see one card that has it, minus 120, minus 105. I do like uh, Chantel Cameron to get the job done, though. Um, I'm having a little bit of issue. Give me a, just a second here to figure it out. Um, I'm not sure what is going on just yet. Hold on. Let me make sure that this is, uh, huh. Hang on real quick. I got a couple other items here. Let me, let me check this out. Once you become the world champion, I believe that you feel you have the upper hand. So now when, as you fight, let's say you fight for five years, a straight survival, the bullshit, the whole bag. And when you come over the camp, like, you know what, that made it. I'm going to show you it's this. So I'm going to get any, every dollar worth uh, of, of, of what, what I deserve. Why? Because I'm the world champion.
Okay, I think I've solved the issue. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. That's better. Okay, it is better. The sound. Okay, I guess something was messing up with the internet or something, but we're good. We're good. All right. So, yeah, when you look at stylistically, Ergashev and uh, we're still good, right? Let me know. Text me. Um, but yeah, when you look at those B sides, when you look at you know what um, stylistically, like I said, Ergashev, and when you look at um, Lamont Roach, I do. I you know the one thing I'll say, like what I, we're talking about stylistically, obviously Matias, you know, doesn't fight like Hector Luis Garcia, and I think he is capable of, you know, making adjustments and scoring with his jab and just being patient, a lot more patient than Matias. So, you know, my my gut says that, I, you know, I'm going to go with Lamont Roach. But, and it has been a, a well, I suppose it's been, well, it has been a year, no, because it was at the beginning. Yeah, it was at the beginning of the year that, that he fought. Um, I'll tell you what, though, it has been a long time for Lamont Roach, and that that's that's something that is kind of troubling. Um, he doesn't have a ton of power, not that he needs a ton of it here, but Hector can come at you. He can box. He's got a good jab. He, he's skillful. He is a skillful fighter, and, um, you know, yeah, it's been – Man, I thought I didn't think it was even. I thought it was the closed uh, 2022, but yeah, or like in the fall. But yeah, June 2022 is the last time Lamont fought. I thought it was like about a year, but that's even longer. And when you're gonna have to, you know, I don't know. Maybe he will be more of the aggressor. At least you know. Maybe this fight will be, you know, in the middle, more in the middle of the ring and whatnot. But uh, I don't know. I, I just think it's a really good fight. I think it is like a, a pick 'em fight. I think there is value, with, you know, in both of those underdogs, like I mentioned. Um, what did I say he, he was at? Yeah, plus two fifteen, plus two forty. So, and you know, at least he's fought win or lose, right, he's fought better off than Ergashev. Ergashev just really looks the part as a guy that in circle and just launch left hands. Because like I said, when he's when he's ready to throw a left hand, dude, he's not going to stop. He's, he's heavy handed. Um, you know, he's a good fighter. But yeah, it is it is that, that whole thing. He hasn't really fought too many quality fighters and you know, Matias, um, besides that one loss, he's knocked everybody out, you know, and he does it in brutal fashion. And he does have a jab, by the way. Um, so I'm not, man, I, man that's going to be a tough fight. I, I mean, being, <laughs> oh, man, this one's tough. I got to admit, this one's tough. This is a really tough one. And like I said, Vito Melanecki and Alexis uh, Salazar is on the – that's the opener. 
think that's a 10-rounder on the YouTube showtime. And then Lipinets and, and Michelle Rivera. I think Michelle, as long as he sticks with his game plan, uses that length, I think he can win this fight. Or he will. Of course he can. But I think he will win the fight. Um, I don't think he'll knock him out. But I, I think he will win the fight. Um, because, yeah, Lipinets just seems to be you know, on the downside, but, you know, it, he got handled, not it's totally different style, but he did get handled cleanly against Frank Martin. Um, and, you know, neither of them have fought in a while, even longer for, for Lipinet. So I do think uh, Michelle Rivera will win that fight. Um, but I, I see at least one, if not two upsets. And, and that could include, you know, Andre. I mean, that, that definitely could include. I'm not trying to count him out as a guy that that, that could pull the upset. Um, I am getting some messages here. Um, by the way, Portland shots out to Portland 503. Josue, he's got Benavidez by decision. Um, I'm getting a little pushback on the card, on the card we were talking about. By the way, this was like the the highlight of the cards. Where is it, folks? This is like the highlight of the cards. Deontay and Agent. I don't like none of them motherfuckers. You know what I'm trying to say? But one thing I can tell you is that after I finish with Duke Dubois, I definitely want Manuel Chark as he got that belt. Them dudes got losses, and there ain't nothing over there for them belts right now. But I tell you one thing, though. We all know for a fact that AJ don't want no smoke with Deontay. Shut the fuck up. And even though it's all with Well, he's looking for belts. That was his thing. He, he's still looking for belts. Well, 
belts mean legacy generally, but they don't always play into that. And fighting Wilder without a belt does more for your legacy than fighting Hergovic. You know what I mean? We've been waiting long enough. My thing is we've been waiting long enough. We didn't need a showcase like this. But this does favor Wilder. Obviously, they both got to get by their opponents. It's not a walk in the park. That's what I do like. At least the top two fights are legit top ten guys. So, And I'm going to watch it. Like I said, I've already gotten, you know, <clears throat> I've already gotten like, you know, I've gotten messages and I've, I've talked to somebody about it. I'm going to watch it. I think I'm going to watch it late night um, instead of during the day because I got some shit going on that day and, and, I, and I work late. But anyway, but to act like it's the carded year because like, like Arthur, he's like a plus 900, plus 1,000. Now, Bibble hasn't fought in a while. Maybe he shows up and looks – like a couple of those fights uh, before Canelo. Right. And maybe that's a tighter fight, whatever. You know, the, 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 if Miller comes in the right mode, like he can last rounds, I like that fight. I think that's an interesting fight. I think the, I think junior fight, you know, I think junior fight, um, Fah can, can, can be okay against Frank Sanchez. That's not a bad fight. Frank Sanchez hasn't fought in a while. Okay, but the Hergovic, I just, I think, it, I'm not saying it's a shit card. I'm just saying that to say it's the best card in years, I just disagree with that. Because, like I said, just the ones on the pay-per-view on YouTube, five out of the six fights, I'm more interested in than some of these other fights. So, I'm interested in the main event. I'm interested in in Benavides and Andre more than I am in those two fights. Personally. Like, I think they're closely matched, is my point. But, you know, like the undercard fights, I favor these fights because they're at least closer where you're like, huh, I could make an argument for this guy winning. I'm not trying to shit on it just to shit on it. I'm just giving my honest opinion. If we disagree, hey, you know, won't be the first time, won't be the last. Okay, anyway, um, the WBC, this is a box wreck gray. Shouts out to him. WBC will be ordering Jermel, Jamal Charlo versus Carlos Adames if he gets through that fight. That's what they say. Okay. Speaking of, the WC has stated at 140 that the winner of Haney and Progray uh, will be ordered to defend that title against Sandor, uh, Sandor Martin, um, which makes sense if you think about that. And, yeah, and also just getting Frank Warren and Eddie Hearn on the, in the same – yeah, like that. that's a good point. Like it, Now, it's a big bag of fucking money, so nobody's really working together as far as co-promoting and, you know, it, it – they're there because their fighter is going to get a ton of money and they get a big-ass cut of it, um, to be fair. Nice, really nice sighting for top rank, and I'm happy for Oshaki Foster. Uh, they, they they linked up with them a, 
multi-year fight, that 130-pound division is going good. This is what I talk about Mannix, right? He says, I hate Miller's history. The positive, you know, drug tests are going to follow him the rest of his career. But if he can beat Daniel Dubois, a fight between Miller and AJ, originally scheduled for 2019, it's big. Sorry, it's just like, come on, dude. Um, Anthony Joshua, this is the zone boxing. Anthony Joshua has declared that he does he does expect to face Wilder next. Uh, he says, yeah, I do. Good luck to him. Uh, what he's doing on December the 23rd, I'll see us. I see us fighting 100%. Okay, so I'm giving him credit. Um, Sebastian Fundora and Sergei, what is it, Bohachek? I think Bohachek, right? Or Bohachek. Uh, They're fighting for the interim WBC belt. I think that's a really good fight. I don't give a shit about the other stuff. And his exit. His Excellency Turkey, um, Alahashkin or something like that, he said that he's got some money and he wants to make that Bivol Peterbiev, okay? Peterbiev. So we'll see. Um, This is kind of interesting. Kelvin Ford has confirmed that Tank Davis does not want to do the rematch with Isak Cruz. Kelvin said, I have one preference that made sense for me and the team, but at the end of the day, you got to fight who the fighter wants to fight. That's against the best. So what would that be? Would that be Frank Martin? I'm not saying he's the best in the division. I'm saying what will that be? You know? what? what what's that going to be? Um, do-do-do-do-do-do. Someone just sent me the one hand bandit that he deleted. Yes, I did see that. Um, oh, yes. Hands of Stone said Emmanuel Navarrete with a broken right hand, and he's still throwing punches <laughs> with it. Uh, here's Wilder. This is uh, 78 Sports TV. Wilder on his conversation with Eddie Hearn because they ended up on the same plane together. It was cool. We have our differences. I know him and Anthony Joshua's managers have held this fight up. But Eddie was saying that he talked to his excellency. Hearn told him if, if you know, they both win, the fight's going to be on. So I'm looking forward to finally get Joshua in the ring, win, lose, or draw. This is what it's all about. Yes, it is. And that's why I chose not to just play into exposing Hearn for saying we have options instead of Wilder because – he did say other stuff after that, and then that's basically all he's been saying. Oh, by the way, Adam Azim, he did, was it the 10th round? He scored two knockdowns in his fight, so he's still, you know, doing his thing. I think uh, the fifth round was like a body shot, um, and was it a left, I think it was a left hand, um, Forced, I think in the tenth round, right? Is it the tenth round? Anyways, the the opponent uh, corner stopped the fight. Um, oh, Jonathan Rodriguez, this is Lord of the Flies. Great follow, um, Jonathan Rodriguez with a brutal first round KO of uh, Kai Yafaya or Kali Yafaya. Big overhand right hurt him badly, and he never recovered. Uh, the punch resistance looks shaky since Chocolatito. Um, I mean, 
it sounds like he retired from boxing after that. Um, do, 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 do. <laughs> we'll save that for boxing Twitter. Oh, Esparza and Fundora reported January 6th for an undisputed flyweight championship in the women's division. That should be it. I like Fundora in that fight. That, by the way, I so on my bookie, okay, for the folks that can't um, bet. Ooh, someone's saying the internet or the sound's getting a little shaky. My bad. I, I should have kept it. Okay. Is that better? I think that's going to be better. Um, so I have two bets right now. Okay. And I have a personal bet coming up too. I haven't made it yet, but I have Benavides by decision plus 145. And then if you believe in Demetrius Andre, at my bookie anyway, has the decision, because you figure he's, gonna, he's not going to knock him out, but by decision is plus 425. So, shit, you could put 75 on, on Benavides, and that would be like over 100. It would be like 107 or something like that. And then 25, and you'd still make money, you know? So... By the way, Alicia Baumgartner put out something I haven't read it fully. She said, vindication, case closed. Like, stop now, dude. Can you stop with that? Um, I just, uh, so, yeah, she's clean. She's clear. She's clean, she says. Um, so, the MGM grant for, for March, for this is uh, Barzini. Jamal Charlo, Tim Zhu, March, it says match first, but I think he meant March. March 1st, MGM Grand Arena in Vegas, big Australian undercard, supposedly featured Sam Goodman, Liam Wilson, and uh, Nikita to Zhu. Um, so we'll see. We'll see if that, you know, if that's true. I don't know. That would be great, though, wouldn't it? Um, Tim Zhu has Charlo. It says no limit, no limit record. So, um, he, he said should be nothing that's stopping us now. He put that on his, his Instagram. And uh, on probably over a week ago, Tim Zhu may be headlining Big Australia card on a March date. In Las Vegas, that was unboxing scene. Um, so, why not? Why not? Let's get that shit done. I'm I'm all for it. Okay, so um, let's get to the boxing <laughs> Twitter segment. Thanks, Corey. You saved my life. I've been paralyzed for three years. For the first time, I stood up Thursday night and turned off the fight. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's just funny. Um, no. You know, it's just a joke. I'm not trying to, you know, people that are paralyzed, I couldn't even, I couldn't even, you know, begin to wonder uh, what that would be like. Okay, so no disrespect. Ergashev, this is a boxing forecast. Ergashev kind of reminds me of a, hold on, young Manny Pacquiao with the left-hand dominant. So I understand what he's saying. Um, He can't just say he's left. Uh, not many right hooks coming after the left. Of course, Pack went on to add the right hook, uh, which, you know, boosted his career. Yeah, I mean, he's, like I said, he's definitely heavy. 
This is going to be a good-ass fight. Uh, Benavides will miss weight for the Andre fight. I call it now. The only question is if Andre will even fight him. Benavides is killing himself to stay there. Dude is too big for 168. My guess is if he missed a little weight, because um, he'd still be able to get that that Mando strap, which that interim turns into the Mando strap uh, next year. So I, I think he'd do it. Um, Lefty says, maybe we need pre-fight injury disclosures like every other sport we bet on. Because, you know, they were saying that Shakur was at the doctor's office going to the hospital getting checked out. It was his shoulder. No, he didn't feel good. He had the flu. No, it was his hand. Uh, <laughs> Roley said the MF invented the cure for insomnia. I mean, he's not lying. Adam at SN Boxing <laughs> My ESPN app shut itself shut itself off after the fourth round. I took it as a sign. Hey, man, that's a good call. Uh, Boog Williams, with uh, the signing of Shock uh, Shocky Top Rank, has strengthened their bargaining pitch to keep Shakir when he becomes a free agent. They will have at least five or six good fights for him, including Foster. And he mentioned Loma, Mertaya, Foster, Navarrete, Tiafimo, and Cambosis. Um, I don't know about that Tiafimo thing, but, uh, yeah, I mean, he'd have to go up and wait, but it's, it, it is there. This is John during the December 23rd card. Bivol and Arthur, Arthur uh, is going to be like a drum solo during a rock concert where everyone gets up and go to the bathroom. Hey, if it's Tommy Lee, I would stay for that. This is Dan Raphael. There are 12 different promoters involved in the December 23rd signing card with Frank Warren uh, Queensberry as the lead promoter. To get all the people to work together miraculously, but money talks, it's speaking louder right now. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, They're not co-promoting. Um, it's just a big bag of money. I'm glad that they somehow got them two in the room, <laughs> especially Eddie Hearn and him, and Frank Warren and Wilder and Joshua and Hopefully that's the next fight. I believe it's the next fight. Um, that is cool. There is something to be said about that. Um, this dude's always a PBC hater. If Tank really sold like Showtime would... Oh, if Tank really, because he's talking about Ryan Garcia, that this little thing on Twitter with the Ryan Garcia was the one who pushed those sales, not Tank, right? Even though the numbers prior to that would we're talking about the gate and everything. But if Tank really sold like that, Showtime would still be in boxing. And I said, well, how do you explain Canelo in, in Triple G Part 2 selling huge, one and two? And then, you know, HBO went out of business. Uh, no matter what his manager says, Ramirez Pedraza, um, someone just gave this to me. Oh, yeah, that they... They sold a little less than 4000 in comps, uh, 2800 The gate was a little over 300000 Yeah, his, his manager's bullshit. Um, this is Fred, top rank, couldn't sell Shakur on a Thursday with no competition. Benavides Andre is set to do over $2 million on Thanksgiving. Tim Bradley's still yelling about PVC. I mean, competition, though. I mean, they're not, they don't have competition. But yeah, I hear what he's saying. I definitely hear what he's saying. Um, 
do oh this is uh bug again just an idea hear me out top rank should pick up Merzaev and Cloke IBF title fight so Xander has a, a you know an angle there yeah that's kind of interesting that is kind of interesting uh Mark Ortega an absolute shame Brandon Adams was unable to capitalize off his come from behind KO of undefeated Boshuk Boshuk on the Ring City USA Adams has been out of the ring ever since but Boshuk you know is going to fight Sebastian Vendor next Bernie PR man said promoters matter yeah that is true yeah that does suck oh no it really does um so, yeah, I mean, that dude that kept – and we talked about step aside uh, last week because of Crawford getting, you know, the, the Spence, IBF, Crawford thing where they, you know, they let Spence linger and, and beat the champ, and, and they did this time. Um, but, yeah, it worked perfect for this guy if he wants just the title and he's going to fight a, a Jack Cloquet that, that's, that's fading. So, you know, or that's, that is fading. So yeah, that that actually is going to work good for him. Anyway, I think that that'll that'll about do it. Let me see if there isn't any kind of late breaking news or something like that. Oh, there's a fight there that I it's not even worth it. I did. Oh, I someone just told me. Okay, so I did pick Chantel Cameron by decision. Maybe I didn't make that clear. My bad. If that's the case, uh, I thought I did. I thought I did make that clear, but apparently I did not. So my bad. Um, so yeah, that's about it. Um, yeah, I think that'll that'll work. Enjoy the fights. If you celebrate the holiday, uh, uh, make sure to you know spend time with friends, family, and just chill out. Some people have to go for you. Anyway, I'm going to get out of here. Enjoy the fights. Be back next Tuesday. Peace. Once you become the world champion, I believe that you feel you have the upper hand. So now, when, as you fight, let's say you fight for five years of straight survival, the bullshit, the whole bag, and when you become the world champion, you're like, you know what? That made it. I'm going to show you it's this. So I'm going to get any, every dollar worth.